Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Keys to Financial Confidence podcast. I'm your host, Marika Steimack. I'm an author, life coach, and app creator. We're going to dig deeper into the 40 simple concepts I've come up with in my book, Keys to Financial Confidence, Unlock Your Best Life. Here, you are going to finally figure out what living your best life means for you and how to set up your financial situation to get there. You are here for a reason, you want change, and you want to learn how. Let's dig in. In this episode, join me as we explore the power of a spending fast with Anna Noel Jones. Discover how she paid off $23,000 of debt in just 15 months and transformed her relationship with spending. Uncover profound insights into the psychology of spending, the transformative impact of a spending fast, and the journey of self-discovery it can ignite. Anna and I had an absolute blast talking together, so this episode turned out to be a little bit longer than usual, but trust me, every minute is worth it. If you find yourself struggling with debt or constantly feeling overwhelmed by spending, this episode is for you. Have a listen and get ready to see if a spending fast might be the game changer you've been looking for. Let's dig in. Well, thanks so much for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. So tell us a little bit about yourself. I'm so excited to talk to you because I know we chatted on the phone, but I can't wait for the audience to meet you. Okay, so my name is Anna Newell Jones. I live in Denver, Colorado. I'm a single mom and I wrote the book, The Spender's Guide to Debt-Free Living, How a Spending Fast Helped Me Go from Broke to Badass in Record Time. This book was life-changing. I loved it. I think I read it in 2018 because you wrote it in 16, right? Yeah, it was published in 16. And it was just like, yes, this is a great idea. A spending fast. and uh-huh. Or what else can you call it other than a spending fast? A no-buy challenge is probably the main thing. Or a spending freeze. It's such a cool idea. And I think that you've inspired so many people through your book and through what you did. So tell us a little bit about what inspired the book. Okay, so what inspired the book is I was in $23,605.10 worth of debt back in 2009. So I was at a place in my life where I had built up a lot of debt just by going to college and I was living on my own and I wanted to, you know, have all the things that I wanted to have. And so I had this chunk of debt and I was on a plane going back to visit my family in Nebraska. I live in Colorado. I just had this moment on the plane where I was suddenly quiet and able to feel the gravity of the situation I was in because I had done a really good job of avoiding it Mm. purposefully. (laughs) So I didn't have to look at it or do anything or face it because that just wasn't where I was at quite yet. I had tried like budgeting and cutting back and all the like things that one might try when they're trying to get out of debt. And I was just like, those things are not working. So I just got to where I needed to do something really effective and really extreme, honestly, because I was like, if I'm going to do this, I need this to really work. And I just want to hurry up and be done with it. Yeah. Get it over with. Yeah. So I had heard of this idea of a spending fast and passing, and I was like, maybe that could be it. Like I tended to go all in and just if I'm going to, you know, go big or go home is like my motto, which is good and bad. (laughs) 
<laughs> frozen pond. It's come to bite me in the butt a few times. But yeah, so it ended up being something that I was like, okay, you know, January 1st, 2010, I'm going to do the spending fast. Blogging was really big at the time. And so I was like, I'll start a blog. I've never blogged in my entire life, but I'll just do this and I'll figure it out as I go. And that's exactly what I did. You paid it all off in less than a year or in a year? In a year. I think it took 15 months. So a little over a year. Yeah. How did you feel after you paid everything off? I felt so relieved. Like as it was happening, I was like, oh my gosh, because I was working for the state and I was only making 33000 a year on my salary. And I was like, I have literally no money. How am I going to have extra money to pay off this debt? Like I had all the excuses and all the reasons why I had built up the debt in the first place. And one of them was, I just don't make enough money. So I was shocked that not only was this working, but that it was super, super effective. And as it was happening, I continued to just feel this sense of relief, just a deeper sigh of like, oh, okay, this is happening and it's working. And then it just felt really good. It felt like this weight was lifting. And I feel like if people haven't been in debt, they don't really get how heavy and oppressive the debt can feel and how Mm -hmm. much shame is attached to it also. Because like, you know, buying a house or going to college, those are considered good debts. But if you have credit card debt, that is not considered a quote unquote good debt. And so many people do have credit card debt. Mm -hmm. Like this is just sort of like how we've been raised in the last, you know, couple of decades to believe it's fine. Yeah. Let's backtrack. And I'm going to ask you, what are the benefits of a spending fast? So the benefits, and I also have some pros and cons of it, just so I have a full picture for everybody. So the benefits of a spending fast is it's incredibly effective and fast for people that are extreme I don't want to say neurodivergent, but neurodivergent people tend to like it because it's hyper-focusedness. So there's a big payoff in a short amount of time. You can just get it all done and be done with it. It's also catered to your specific life. So there's a wants and needs list, which I can go into. So it is personalized based on what you need and want in your life. And then the cons are many of the pros. So the cons would be that it's extreme, that it's a massive life change, and it can, in my experience, affect relationships in a not-so-positive way sometimes. I made the mistake of not getting my partner on board when I was doing this. That was a big mistake on my part. So I do not recommend doing that. And I did that, you know, looking back, I was able to see that I was so desperate to get out of debt that I couldn't risk him saying no. Were you married? Yeah. Not good for marriage to do a spending fast without asking your partner. Yeah. Well, I mean, I would think that the partner would be like happy. They'd be like, oh, great. We're not spending any money. Do you know? That would be a benefit. Yeah. So I went from spending money on everything I wanted. So we really affected our lifestyles. We were going out to eat. We were going to movies. We were going to the mall to buy, you know, stuff we didn't need. Suddenly I was like, oh, no, not doing that. And it was like, I didn't involve him in the decision, a decision that would affect his life and how we lived and operated together as a married couple. And so, you know, looking back, ended up not being the wisest decision. Yeah. Well, good advice. I mean, make sure you're on board with your partner and have a conversation about, 
if you want to do this together or not? And what are the rules and the guidelines? I think that's important to stipulate. It may mean that you can't go out to the movies or you can't go to a party even, you know, because you don't want to pay 20 bucks for a bottle of wine to bring it over or something or contribute or go out for dinner with your friends. So this is a hardcore extreme idea, the spending fast. And you did it a little over a year. Mm -hmm. I think what's inspiring is if somebody wants to do this, start with a day. Yeah, you don't have to do it for a whole year. Not at all. Exactly. And what I talk about in my blog is then go to two days and Uh then three days or just say you're going to do it for seven days. And, Uh you know, I think you have worksheets like this. I have worksheets Mm -hmm. where it's like you can check off the little box if you spent any money or if you didn't spend any money. And that's super inspiring. All of it helps. And it's like you can test it out, see what works. You know, if you're partnered, you can see how that is going, how it's affecting your life. But yeah, anything's better than nothing. It brings amazing awareness to your habits, your spending habits when you actually go on a spending freeze yeah, or a spending fast. And you're like, why do I think that I need to go to Target? Yeah. Like, what does that mean? Yeah. So it definitely taps into some deeper things, which is what I noticed is that if I don't actually heal what's causing this, like the root issue of what I'm trying to fill with the aid of like, if I go to Target or I go, you know, spending money I don't have or even spending money I do have, am I using that as a distraction from feeling what I actually need to be feeling, but I am not able to? feel at that moment. And I realized that was true for me in a lot of ways. And so it's like, well, this is going to come out in, so I'm in recovery also. And so this is going to come out in like drinking. This is going to come out in spending. This is going to come out in all sorts of different ways. Even if I address the money issue, this can still harvest in other issues if I don't address the root cause. And it's a benefit if just Mm -hmm. by doing a spending freeze, you'll gain this awareness to what's happening deep inside you. Maybe are you spending to fill a void? And what is Uh that void? That's going deep. And some people are just like, no, I'm just saving money. I'm not spending money. No, you're going to find out a lot. I know I had breakdowns and I don't know if I write about this in my book, but I had breakdowns where I was like, but I need this. Like I started uh-huh. like declaring and I'm like, oh my God, this is so ridiculous. I don't need this. Why uh-huh. do I think I need this? And you start going through all this like crazy self-talk. It's interesting. Yeah. I mean, and I told myself mostly I deserved it. I was working in a 40 hour a week job or more that, you know, I didn't enjoy it. It wasn't my life's passion. I was like, I'm doing something I don't want to do. If I'm doing this, I also want to be getting what I want and having my house look cute the way I want. And it was, in a lot of ways, a coping mechanism. So it served its purpose. And that was why I kept doing it, because on some level, it worked. Yeah. Even though it also did not work in a lot of ways, it was serving a purpose. And I had to keep doing it until I was ready to not do it anymore. (laughs) And then you were so satisfied. Yeah. Why do you think it's so hard for people to become more mindful of their spending? A lot of people are using cards. They're using debit cards. It's just not tangible like how cash is. So it's really easy to be like, it's fine. It just feels very abstract. And all of us are so busy. And a lot of times I notice, at least for myself, is I didn't want to change. I 
wasn't quite ready to change. I knew I should care and I knew I should not have debt. And also more than that, I wanted what I wanted. <laughs> and so that kind of overpowered any sense of, uh, I should probably tell myself no here. So when you had that moment on the airplane, what was leading up to that moment that got you thinking? Yeah, there were a lot of things, mostly. So every single conversation I had with my mom, they took out loans to pay for my schooling. She would tell me and I had, you know, vowed I would pay them back. And, you know, of course, I'll pay you back. I'll be getting this great job. Of course, it's no problem. Just so optimistic, completely unrealistic in a lot of ways. And that's okay. That's just where I was at in my life. But every time I would talk to her, she would ask me about sending more money for the loan that they had taken out or the just the amount that I had agreed to. And I yeah. always said, oh, I just don't have the money, mom. But I always had money for what I wanted. I could always find the money to go on the trips or buy whatever I wanted. But sending the money to my parents for the loan that they took out for me out of the kindness of their hearts, I just was you know, not able to do that. I was inconvenienced by that because it wasn't fun anymore to yeah. do that part. So like realizing how dishonest I was being, how am I paying for all these dinners out and buying what I want? But I was lying by the silence and I just don't have it. I wasn't able to fess up to it. And so that really started weighing heavy on me realizing, oh, I'm not having integrity and in how I'm operating in my life. And that does not feel good. Those little dings from my mom of like, hey, you know, and me constantly being like, oh, crap, here I am not saying the full truth here. And I justified <laughs> what if it was doing is like, I need this. I have to enjoy my life too, mom. You know, like I had all the excuses. <laughs> did she ever say anything to you? Like, did she say like, okay, hey, how come you can't pay me back? know that she actually said that explicitly. I mean, she would just be like, send us more money. Why aren't you sending us what we need to? <laughs> she can be hardcore in that way. But I wasn't telling her the full story. I wasn't saying, hey, I'm not sending you money and I'm going out on these dinners and I'm buying myself all these things that I want. I was mm. just saying, oh, I just don't have the money, mom. And I wasn't telling her about trips I was going on. So I was leaving out vital information so she didn't get the full scope of what was going on in my life. And I'm like, I'm not sharing huge chunks of my life with this yeah. person because I want to keep doing what I'm doing. And then just looking at my statements every month and, you know, I would pay off little bits here and there and nothing would like affect, you know, here I'm sending $100 here or 50 bucks here or whatever the minimum amount was. And it'd be like, I've been doing this for years and nothing is changing. I will have this debt until I die. This is not working. Yeah, so there were a lot of little things. And I mean, mostly I just wasn't feeling good about the situation. It weighed really heavy. It sounded like you were finally ready to get rid of the guilt and the shame. Yeah. Like you yeah. were just tired of living with it mm -hmm. month after month, years after years. And it was just eating you. It sounded like you had your point of like something has to change. Yeah. It was just like an internal misery type of thing of just this is not working. You know, I was in a pretty desperate place of just like this has just got to stop. I've got to get out of this cycle. And what the spending fast ended up doing is I was able to pull myself right out of the cycle. I was able to say, 
I'm stopping this right here, right now, I'm going to step off the treadmill or whatever you want to call it. And it was profoundly beneficial to my mental health. And it was so empowering to be able to say, I had been in this situation where I felt like I had no choice because I had just gotten into this lifestyle and these habits of saying yes to all the fun things that I wanted to do. And then part of me realized that I thought if I wasn't doing these things, I would, you know, the whole FOMO thing, I would be missing out on my life. I would Mm -hmm. have no fun. I mean, that's a huge thing that I hear about from people is they're like, well, my life is going to be over and I'm not going to be able to have any friends and life is just going to be so sucky, you know? And it's like, I hear you. That's why I didn't want to do it either. And what I found is this great irony of when I put more restrictions on myself with my spending and gave myself these rules, I found this immense freedom because that weight started to lift. And since I was like, I don't have to do this spending fast, I am actively choosing to do this. It was not like someone was like, like my mom or whoever was like, you have to do this spending fast. It was no, I'm choosing this. And so it was such a different place of I'm empowered by this. This is something I'm creating. I know I can stop it literally at any time, even though I, you know, had told these everybody I was going to do this. I could, I had a choice at every stage to say I can stop it whenever I want. And that part of it of I am choosing this, I'm choosing to do these things and make these sacrifices to better my life. That was something I was not used to feeling, the feeling that I had choice and the feeling that I was in control of how my life proceeded forward. I was waiting for you to say that word control. It sounded like you just wanted to get control over things and you did. And it's something I never thought that doing the spending fast, something that, you know, on the surface sounds by my own admission, it is incredibly restrictive. I didn't think that would give me one of the biggest freedoms of my entire life. Wow. I think, and that's why I say this, it's so inspiring. Your book is so inspiring because I think a lot of people, Anna, are in your situation. They're investing, they're paying the minimum balances, they're paying Mm -hmm. the balances on their expensive vehicles, on their high mortgages. Mm -hmm. Kids are going into hockey. You know, they're just keeping afloat and taking out loans against whatever the house or but they're feeling like they're out of control. How are they going to just break away or break down some of that debt? And what you did and this awareness that you brought to it sort of gives them a sliver of hope that, okay, maybe if I even just tried this for like 30 days Mm -hmm. and let me see how it makes me feel. I do it once in a while whenever I want to catch up or if I want to save up for something like luxurious or whatever. I love how it's used in that way also of like, oh, you don't have to be in debt to do this. You can use this as yeah, like a saving tool if you do have a good, solid foundational. I wrote this somewhere as well where we plan on doing our girls trips, our really uh-huh. big girls trips. I like to do them like every four years and we go somewhere like exotic, South of France, oh, Bali, those kind of places. Oh, nice. I'm like, okay, ladies, no one's going into debt, obviously, going on these trips. Yeah. Everything's yeah. got to be paid for in cash beforehand. Uh-huh. So what's the plan? And everyone's so inspired with this and they love it. And I'm like, you're only allowed to give me cash. And yeah, I mean, I proposed this book and Mm -hmm. your idea of the spending fast. And it's surprising. Some people couldn't do it for more than three days, but 
you know what? If you just even do it a couple of times a month, it just brings yeah. that awareness and it brings that hope to paying uh-huh. down debt. And I just think it's like pretty genius. What are some excuses that we come up with in order to spend? Mostly, I'm too busy. We're all so, so, so busy. I don't have enough money Mm. is a big one. I deserve it. That's one that I always went to. And I'm tired because so much of what I found I spent money on are life conveniences. And that's also one that I end up defaulting to. And it's why I think a lot of people end up eating out. On top of all these other life responsibilities, now I have to make food. Now I have to feed these kids. I like the excuse that I hear the most is, yeah, I deserve it. Yeah. I don't want to disagree with anybody there. Of course you deserve it. Mm-hmm. But I always have to say, yes, you deserve it. But is it in your budget? And is it in your best interest long run? I would never say you can't have everything that you want. Yeah. But just what you're saying, is it going to be in your best interest for the future? Yeah, it's like your current self giving your future self a gift. Another episode that we were doing with Elena, and she is a money organizer. She has the organizedmoney.com. And she just talks about we would end up saving more money if we just got a little more organized. Like meal planning. Okay, I hate Mm -hmm. meal planning. But if you do that, or if you just clean up your house, she talks about like knowing where your umbrellas are and being organized and checking the weather so that you take your umbrella and you're not caught in the rain and going out and spending money on another one. And now you have 18 umbrellas at home. What are some useful tips or methods to use during a spending fast? That just actually got me thinking of one of the mottos that I use throughout the whole year of the spending fast. And that is how can I do what I want for free or for cheap? And so it's that same idea of, no, you're not needing to deprive yourself. That's not what we want. Because if you feel like you're suffering, if others think you're suffering through this process, you're going to get pressure from other people and from yourself of like, why are you doing this? You can still do whatever you want to do, but how can you do it for free or super cheap? It ends up having, again, those parameters around it. It ends up becoming a really creative process, at least I found for myself of like, oh, here, I thought I just had to go spend this money to do this. But there might be ways that I can get this for free or for super cheap. If I just think outside the box just a little bit, Mm -hmm. again, that does, you know, take more time. But I also found that I had way more free time when I wasn't off, you know, thinking about the next thing I was going to buy and researching all of it and returning the things because I felt guilty. Suddenly I had a lot of time on my hand. (laughs) So some of the tools, let's see. Oh, get my book, The Spender's Guide to Debt-Free Living. That (laughs) Totally. A little plug for that. Join the Spending Fasters group that I have on Facebook. It's totally free and everybody just cheers each other on. And it is one of the most kind and supportive free resources to just be like, hey, I'm struggling with this or I've got this issue coming up or how would you deal with that? And people just cheer you on. And you can even now on Facebook post anonymously, which I think is super, super helpful for a group like mine where there is shame attached to it. So it's like you can still get your answer without exposing yourself if you're not ready to go there yet or be vulnerable in that way, which is totally understandable. I know when I went through this, I had so much shame and I felt so honestly, just so stupid. 
that I had gotten myself into this position and here I keep making these choices. And so this shame compounds. And when you're in a state of shame, there's no good that can come from that. It's not like you feel empowered and you're like, oh, I feel like crap. I'm going to go change my life now. It just doesn't work that way. Maybe in some ways of like, I'm at my bottom. But when you're in that spot of, oh my gosh, I'm in this mess. And how did I get myself there? And just like being down on yourself. I felt like I was the only one who was dumb enough to do this. And so when I started talking about my debt openly and doing this spending fast, I was shocked I was not the only one that had gotten themselves into this mess. So I think there's a lot of power in community and just knowing you're not alone because then you can say, you know, if you're seeing other people posting like, hey, I went out to this dinner I couldn't afford. I went on this girl's trip that it was so fun, but I went into debt. And it's like, there's so much of the comparing your insides to others outsides. It's like here, I know all the secrets about myself. I know all my debt and I am comparing myself to what I see. I see that they're going on these trips. They're going on these girls trips. They have a super wonderful life. It looks like a wonderful car. And why can't I do that? I'm having to go into debt to do these things. What's wrong with me that I'm not at that level? Meanwhile, you have no idea what's going on with someone else in their life and how much debt they have. <laughs> at least here, you're in Canada, right? Yeah. I'm guessing it's the same way there of just like the consumerism and more and more. Totally. Okay. Yeah. Bigger trucks, bigger houses. Yeah. It's like more and more, better, better. It's nice to have a place to go to like this community that you formed. I didn't even know that. I want to join this community. I don't know. Do you have a program? So I have a Spending Fest Bootcamp. So you can find it at spendingfestbootcamp.com. So it takes everything in the book and kind of puts it in a neat little workbook format and guides you through all the things. Also, Debtors Anonymous is another free resource. It's a 12-step program that is incredibly helpful and also like an in-person setting. And they have different tools that they work through. It's not, you know, my book in that is not. They're not the same thing, obviously, but yeah. it's another option oh. and that's free. And then one of the things that has helped the most with people is this thing called a reverse budget that I talk about in detail in my book. And so what happens a lot with budgeting is people will say, go ahead and project into the future of what you're going to spend. But what the reverse budget does in what I like to do is go through the past 12 months of my statements to get a clear idea of what I've actually spent. Because I can, in my justifying my spending, I can be pretty unrealistic about what I will. I'm just being totally honest. You know, it's like I can be like, yeah, I probably spend $50 eating out. You know, I can be very off. So what this does is you go through line by line on your statements and then you put them into the categories that you would on a budget. And then you're able to say, okay, I have this data now. And you can also do just three months. Even two months helps get you a good picture. But it's like, okay, how much am I actually spending on coffee out? How much am I spending on eating out? How much am I spending, you know, at Target or wherever? Where are some problem areas that I might not be realizing? So back to your question about like the mindfulness and why are we spending? I think a lot of times we're just not 
paying attention. And it's just like, this is easy. Just one more thing on my to-do list. I'm checking it off. I'm getting on with my life. I got to just get this stuff done. And so it yeah. brings that level of awareness of, okay, what actually is getting spent? Yeah. So, and then you can go forward and be like, eh, actually, I don't need to, you know, eat out that much, or maybe I could yeah. cut back on this a little bit. Or I'm doing fine, you know? Yeah. Oh, wow. I'm not spending as much as I thought I was, yeah, right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Well, that's why I built my app, Get Tracking, so people can become more mindful in their habits. Yeah. And say if it was someone who didn't want to go through their bank statements or they just, mm -hmm. you know, they look at numbers and they get all stressed out and, mm -hmm. they, you know, that avoid, avoid, avoid. Yeah. This app is so friendly. It's so easy. You just go in and you plug in as you spend. And then it just gives you a nice little graph at any time oh, yeah. showing you exactly what you've been spending in. But you have to go in and manually track, which is the difference from other apps that you connect to a bank account because they yeah. automatically do it for you. So you're not manually implementing the number. And what's so funny, because if you want to do a no spend challenge, get my <laughs> app because... Yeah. There's this thing and people, users have been telling me, they're like, your app is nice and friendly, but I don't want to put my number in there. Like, I feel like, oh, shoot, I'm spending. Uh -huh. So it actually prevents me from yes. going out and spending more because you're making yes. me plug it in uh -huh. and I don't want to. Yes. <laughs> and then yes. it's just like the psychology behind it. It's like, then you end up uh -huh. not spending because you're like, oh, I have to put it in my app. Uh -huh. It's a strange thing. One of the things I talk about in my book is doing the tracking, which your app is, you know, the updated version of this idea where I say, go to your bank and get the old school check register, write every single thing you spend, you know, collect your receipts throughout the day, make yourself a little note if you're busy. And then at the end of the day, add it to your check register. And then there's something just like you said about like yeah. writing it down, manually inputting it. And it's like, ooh. I, like the cringe yeah. factor is really helpful of being like, again, adding that layer of awareness and mindfulness. I really probably did not need to spend that. And also, this is time consuming. I don't want to add all these dang things into my app or my <laughs> register. Like, okay, maybe I'm just not going to buy that because I don't want to put it in there. I don't have the time. Totally, totally. It's like you get an instant punishment if you buy something, right? <laughs> also, make it a game with yourself. I found, again, it was like, oh, can I go, you know, here I have to buy my groceries, but how can I get this down a little bit more? Yeah. So, and then obviously dealing with the root issues, you know, going to therapy, finding 12-step groups, and then just noticing, getting really honest with yourself about like, am I using this as a tool to deny my reality? And also denial is a very helpful tool. It helps people survive. I think all the reactions to things, if we're able to look at things from like a kind and compassionate and gentle place with ourselves. It's a way of being like, okay, yes, I have this debt. And also there's something that's causing me to do this. Like what if I take my actions away from my self-identity and say there's something that maybe I should consider paying attention to here because this, it's going to, it's going to like harvest in another way, you know, workaholism yeah. or drinking or drugs or you know, avoidance. It's like, so just getting to that root issue and that will solve a host of other issues. Who would have thought just doing a spending fast, like you can heal within. And seriously, just the power of choice and realizing I'm not a victim here. I have actively, you know, maybe unconsciously, but actively gotten myself in debt. And I can also choose to 
remove myself from that cycle and beating myself up and the guilt and shame, I can choose a different way. And then every single time you make a choice for yourself that's in your best interest as far as an empowered choice rather than a response or a reaction. It's something that slowly builds your self-esteem and then it just makes it much easier to then, you know, if you're in a group and they're like, you know, you get a $2 coffee just to hang out with everybody, but then they're like, let's split the bill. And it's it just makes it easier than to be like, you know, I, I'm just going to throw in for what I got. And so it's like, it truly affects every single area of your life. Like I think it's really easy to not go there with money because there is so much. And you know this of everything money means to people, wealth and the success and what it means about who we are as people. If we can achieve the certain level or make the certain amount of money, you can use it as a tool for also building yourself up so that you have a rich life that is meaningful and has a quality and is not attached to these material things that can vary and change. Yeah. A life you could be proud of. Yeah. Yeah. I tell people all the time, I'm like, I feel like I won the lottery. Materially, I got divorced. So I live in a studio apartment and, you know, that can have its own issues. You don't have as much to clean. Yeah. Yeah. But it's like, you know, this is a temporary thing. But even you know, and I knew getting a divorce that I would be in a different financial situation. I would double my expenses <laughs> for one. Even having a different financial situation than I did when I was married, I still feel like I won the lottery in my life because of the quality of my life. It's like I'm mm. able to have this wholeness of where I'm not hiding parts of myself or parts of my life from, you know, my mom, every time I talk to her, there's almost a relief that comes from this honesty of facing it and saying, you know what, I've got a problem with debt. I am overspending. There's a wholeness and an integrity that is so worth it. That's awesome. I think so too. Okay. I have to ask this question. I wasn't in the questions, but I know some people are going to be thinking about this. So you do the spending fast, you save Mm -hmm. some money, you pay down some debt, and then you rack it up again. That is normal. We need to put it out there that this does happen. I've done this many times myself where I'm like, I'm going to be so good. I'm not going to spend for Mm -hmm. like three months. And then, yeah, like this was in my 20s. Like I would just blow it. Right. Or I would just like get myself back to that amount that, again, made me stressed out. So how do we avoid going on a binge after we do a spending fast? You know, again, just dealing with the root issue and also being aware. And I truly think it's about being, are you inter- Are you familiar with internal family systems or IFS? This is, this might be totally off topic. No, what's that? It's this idea. I'm actually super passionate about it. It's this idea that we all have parts of ourselves that there's like, we have an inner core self with a capital S. And then there's these different parts like, I had the super inner bitchy critical part that I named Barbara because she was such a bitch and she was like, oh sorry, Barbara's. I love all Barbara's except for the one that's within me, the part within me. And, and then there's a part of me that like is this 12 year old girl that's like, oh, I have money. I want to spend what I want to spend. There's a part that's little, you know, it's like kind of this idea of the inner child idea and these different parts okay. that. So something that truly helped me is befriending those parts and asking the Barbara part that I named, what is it that you want me to know? Or what is it, you know, spender, 12-year-old, 15-year-old self 
that you need me to hear and need me to know. And it's like creating this friendship and dialogue with these different parts and saying, at the core, what is it that you need me to know? And then slowly over time, these different parts can relinquish their bitchy critical roles or the spending roles that keep me from being able to actually face the reality of my situation and of my life. So I think it's just way deeper than binging. I think it's if the respending is happening, I think that there's still a root issue of something going on. Like mm-hmm. after I had my spending stuff, it then manifested into working a ton as a way to, you know, I'll just be honest, as a way to avoid dealing with issues in my marriage. And then once I got a divorce, I'm like, wow, what happened to my workaholism? I have no idea. This is so weird. You know, and it's like, if I deal with those issues, the root cause of me being a workaholic was that I was in an unhappy marriage and I couldn't face it. And working was a very socially acceptable excuse for not being present in my marriage. It all goes back to something else. It's like, what is spending doing to help me not face the reality? What am I incapable of looking at? So I think it's just way bigger than merely spending. I think the spending is how whatever this deeper issue is, how it harvests. That's it. Yeah. It's just a symptom of it. Yeah. That's so critical. That's so important. Mm -hmm. And it's hard to go and look in. But this Mm -hmm. is what you need to do to prevent the binge and to prevent just falling back into that same trap. I wrote this in my blog, not in my book, but it's like, have your why written out somewhere. I know everyone's talking about whys lately. Why is the big topic of conversation? You need to have a why in everything. Like it's true. And then it's like, why did you do the spending fest in the first place? Write that down Mm -hmm. on a piece of paper. And then when you want to go out and buy that expensive shirt again, or like, okay, if you can afford it and if it's part of your budget, sure. Mm -hmm. And it's giving you happiness, living your best life, you Mm -hmm. go and you buy it. But like, if it's going to be a splurge, yeah, go back to that sheet when you started your spending fast and be like, oh yeah, this is why. Maybe I'm saving up for a big trip or I want to be completely debt-free, including mortgage by the age of 40 so that I can change my career, like define Mm -hmm. your whys to keep you motivated. Yeah. I think it is so important to know why you're doing it and have a goal in mind because when you are faced with those issues day to day, it's like, do I want a new plant or whatever more than I want to be able to go on this trip? So, Anna, where can people find you? Okay, people can find me on Instagram at AnnaNewellJones.com, on Facebook in the Spending Fasters group, on online at my website, and then we save.com. And then my book is The Spender's Guide to Debt for Living, and that's available everywhere. Great. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Wow, that was an incredible episode packed with lots of information. I hope it left you feeling inspired and ready to embark on your own spending fast journey. Don't forget to grab a copy of Anna's book. It's an absolute must read and will provide even more guidance and inspiration along the way. If you do decide to take on a spending fast, we would love to hear about your experience. Reach out to either me or Anna and share your story. Your journey could inspire others to make positive changes in their own lives. Lastly, I want to express my deepest gratitude for your support. If you found this episode valuable, please share it with anyone you think might benefit from it. And don't forget to leave a review. It helps me reach more listeners like you. 
So, are you ready to take on a spending fast? 